With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. As always, I'm your host, Asa Smith, here with you to discuss the finer points of the round ball and the somewhat egg-shaped ball. Um, We've got a great episode for you, the, technically the first episode of season two, which is an internal accounting thing, but uh, yeah, I think we get off to a, to a good start here. Um, we are joined by our good friends, Ben, who you can find at BL Herald on Twitter and at halfspaces.com, as well as our good friend, Kevin, who you can't find on any website or on Twitter, uh, to talk about pretty much the Gold Cup and the Half Spaces ratings and everything that happened over the last month or so. And then we have a wonderful discussion with our friend Jonathan regarding Michigan State's schedule. As always, we are joined by our co-host, Greg, who you can find uh, on Twitter at MrMojoRising89. This episode is brought to you by the Anchor App, as well as the Smith Workforce Management Group. For all of your HR and employment law needs, check out the Smith Workforce Management Group at smithworkforce.com. So let's jump right into it with the uh, soccer folks. How's it going, Ben? I'm doing all right, Asa. I've got my sexy DJ voice. Welcome to 107.4 Smooth Jazz. Oh, that's 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 like that's velvety. What's what's going on there? <laughs> well, my daughter gave me laryngitis or something, so I'm uh, I'm almost over it. But uh, I'm kind of in that like sweet spot of getting your voice back, where your voice kind of sounds cool. Oh, so like like the Lauren Bacall mid fifties uh, actress who's like smoking all the time. Yeah, we'll go with me understanding that reference. How you doing, Coach? I'm wondering what you're smoking all the time. Uh, me personally? Uh, the only thing I. The time. Uh, I mean, 
I, I, you know, like this is going to be like the most middle-aged man thing I can say, but like, I would love to get a smoker. I would smoke all of the salmon. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know like the joke there was that like I was smoking crack, but really I want to smoke like brisket. Like that'd be awesome. But mostly fish. I think smoked fish is super underrated in the smoking game. You really need to go like middle-aged man DIY and like build a smoker out of like a wine barrel or something weird. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, not Appalachia. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of wine barrels plenty of wine barrels in LA I'm guessing uh, yeah a different thing that but uh, <laughs> similarly fun similarly fun um, I suppose that our, our good friend Kevin is going to join us uh, at some point but we should probably get started with that uh, halfspaces.com uh, rating system and and also I, I feel like you know because this is a production meeting um Hey, Kevin, <laughs> who's, who's come in on the meeting uh, with the name Acosta. You can guess <laughs> You can guess who my player of the tournament was. Never. <laughs> was it Matt Turner? <sighs> well, you, know, you, 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 you gotta, you can't give them all the goods all at once. We're trying to make like, what, a 30, 40 minute podcast out of this? We don't want a 23 minute recording and then we're done with the show. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll have a man of the, the match, which I... There's not a serious discussion about that, but a man, <laughs> man of the tournament, um, and and because uh, we we like to be um, you know systematic in this, let's start at the back with uh, everybody's favorite, apparently number one on the depth chart goalie, Matt Turner. Yeah, he was he was good. Honestly, I was a, a little bit surprised that he didn't have to be like Superman. If we were going to win this game, I really thought he was going to have to really really stand out and he was good you know what i mean so yeah i i think at this point i mean after the nation's league i said horvath was number one now after the, the gold cup i think turner's number one so who knows but he had, he had a great tournament it doesn't yeah. I, that doesn't make sense the the soccer media and especially the podcast uh world we don't suffer from recency bias <laughs> at all <laughs> no um, and uh, just just want to give a, a little preview uh, of of World Cup qualifying, after which Zach Steffen will be our number one goalie again. Yeah, and, uh, mm-hmm. it's possible, and and I'll get I'll get to this in a in a uh, later in the episode. But like, it's possible that we found an identity, and that identity is um, play America ball, which is simply <laughs> defend, get one goal, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, so I, I actually think like uh, Matt Turner, you know, obviously in the tournament, he played amazing, um, you know, giving up zero goals in in open play over the course of six games is, is phenomenal. Um, but I the the save he made on the Funis Mori uh, header, um, the one where he like did that, like double jump. Um, if you guys know what I'm talking about, I thought that yeah. that was indicative of like something that I haven't seen a goalie do. Like it was like like it was like both anticipation and like understanding physical limitation to the point where he could make up for it. And I thought that that was like a super cool moment. His reaction time was insane almost the entire tournament. It's like you're right. It seems like he knew where the ball was going before it went because he had a couple of them that he stopped that were seemed point blank. He makes yeah. he makes difficult saves look easy. So I mean, it's just a very I don't even know if this happened, but it gets to the point where when teams play a really, really good goalie, they start shooting 
their shooting it's a little bit off because they think they have to be perfect. I don't know if that was happening to Mexico last night, but it's to the point where, like, if you don't hit a perfect shot, you get this feeling that Turner's going to get to it. He makes a lot of reaction saves outside, like, the immediate frame of his body, which obviously is is a huge plus as a goalie. Um, but that's, I think, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed, because there's a lot of guys that will make the conditioning can be solid and, and they'll almost, you know, they save the ball before the shot is taken, but Mm -hmm. his ability to just, you know, when the ball is bouncing around and, you know, we can't get it clear and just something comes on frame. um, Do you know what? He's really good in that. Yeah. Do you know what he reminds me of actually? And, and I'll get to like the one incredibly scary thing he did uh, during that game in a second, but he reminds me of a, like a shortstop who can, who's, for some reason, like like the type of shortstop who can play that weird bounce well. And, you know, like a lot of, of playing, and because this is a football and football uh, podcast, we're going to talk about baseball for a second. Um, like there's a lot of that that's positioning and a lot of, of playing, you know, shortstop is positioning, knowing where, you know, tendencies, blah, blah, blah. But like sometimes the grass is not mowed properly and you got to just like play it off the bounce. And I feel like Matt Turner has that ability like just well, like that quick like quick change of direction like oh okay cool and to extend your metaphor there uh asa some shortstops are so good they like with so much range or whatever they make a play that is easy for them and it's you know for a average shortstop it would be spectacular or maybe even it's a shortstop who's not great and he makes a makes a play look really good because he's not that good and he has to like really extend to get to it whereas that you know, superior shortstop just kind of gobbles it up, throws out the guy at first base, and it's a, you know, hum, ho-hum. I kind of feel like that's where Turner is. He doesn't make the save look spectacular because he's so good sometimes. So he would be akin to a Jose Iglesias or an Andrelton Simmons where, you know, the insane play looks so easy for him that you kind of forget that it would be an insane play for, not to say any names, but Derek Jeter. <laughs> Fine. He was bad at defense at us Yankees fans. Um, well, at least you guys said the name of one. Yeah, at least you said one baseball player's name who I you know recognized. So that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, right there. Although you retired like a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, didn't that Iglesias guy? Did he play for the Tigers? Yeah, yeah. Was that the guy with Valenti uh, coined as Sexual Leather? I believe was his nickname. Yep. Moving yep. on. <laughs> uh, cannot. Cannot. Although I. W- w- Big fan of Valenti, big fan. Uh, but anyway, so I, b- despite you know all the flowers that we want to give Turner, he did have like the scariest moment of the game, at least for me, which was that super heavy touch, at, like two minutes in. Yep. Uh, where like I don't know if that's a penalty, but in Concacaf you don't roll the dice. <laughs> um. So I, I don't know what that got on the system because I I'm not in front of my computer, but um, did yeah, that play? Yeah, that was a negative one uh, because I think that that Mexico player took a dive because he thought Turner was about to kind of go through him. So he just went down and Turner wisely pulled out and just let let the guy fall over. Yeah, (laughs) Man, guys, we're we're doing really well here. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Speaking of pulling out, (laughs) nope, nope, not going to do that. Not going to do that. Um, family so, podcast. Family podcast. Um, kid show. Kid show. <laughs> so for the second time in as many uh, finals, 
Greg Berhalter gave us like a weird fullback pairing that we hadn't seen yet in the tournament. Uh, in the in the Nations League final, we got DeAndre Yedlin and Tim Ream. Um, obviously, it wasn't intended to be Tim Ream, but after the 90 seconds in, it was. Um, and in this one, we got George Bello, who hadn't played since the Martinique game, and Reggie Cannon, who hadn't yet started. Um, so what were your were your thoughts? I, I know Kevin and I were both like pretty impressed by Bello um, in that he was like not an abject train wreck. But, right. The um, first time he played, he was he made me nervous against uh, Martinique. So I was I was not looking forward to him against Mexico, but he hung in there. He held his own. I mean, honestly, I think it kind of goes back to the uh, the strategy we talked about last time we were on. Like the U.S. wore Mexico out. I didn't think they could, but <laughs> I don't. So I haven't played uh, soccer in a little while, but um, I'm 40 now. And when you're playing like soccer, like there's anybody from, you know, 40 year olds down to like 18 year olds. And by the end of the game, you're like, would that 18 year old kid stop frigging running? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of feel like maybe that's where Mexico was at. Their Their average age was way higher. And I feel like maybe Greg thought about that, and it almost think it almost looked like he started the backup fullbacks, and then brought in the starting fullbacks. You know, to run minutes, it sixty yeah. minutes in when he thought, you know, we can go get this now, and you know, Mexico's wearing out. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but again, once about seventy minutes hit, it looked like you know we were going to win that game. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I actually thought. Um... <laughs> talking about just sort of like that like concept of like what can we do as a as a country and and i got dragged into a stupid argument on twitter for like two days about this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm gonna give this as much weight as possible which is none but um hey, sir. yeah I know, I know Why are you fighting with people on the internet you know better than this because they're wrong <laughs> um <laughs> Has and the whole point of this podcast is to give him a <laughs> give him a vehicle with which to start arguments with fans of other teams. Like that's the only reason he did this. Uh, I mean, it was the origin. But if we know one thing about the internet is that everyone always changes their minds when presented with you know conflicting facts, no matter how compelling. Um. Anyways, so so the 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 thought that I had while watching this game, um went back to like one of my original thoughts when when watching the u.s men's national team like back in like probably 2010 2009 um which is like you know we should just uh we should just out athletic people and like matt doyle who whatever um like wrote this article a while ago about like what is the like culture of of american soccer and it's try hard run fast um and like because we don't have the technicians and whatever uh, but uh, this game sort of like felt like that. It was like, well, how are we going to beat Mexico? What if we try real hard and run real fast? And that well, sort of worked. <laughs> I, I sort of agree with you because I do feel like there are teams where we are just definitely not as athletic. Like France is better than us technically and better athletes. So yeah. There's like, there's some truth to that, but I feel like where Greg really thought he could maybe press his advantage was fitness. And um, also, like, if you even look at the full team, it almost looks like the, the players we have are built to press. They're not built to play, um, you know, Barcelona, you know, the, the, the Dutch style, 
you know, possessional play thing. They're built to, to, you know, press the, you know, press people and win the ball that way. And last night was looked like Greg kind of, you know, Hey, that's we're, we're in better shape than them. Let's press them. It's, it's, it's almost like, like, uh, like the miracle speech. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to someone who has actually seen that movie in the last 10 years. So, uh, <laughs> Coach, you want to give it real quick? <laughs> Do you believe in miracles? No, the freaking <laughs> Kurt Russell talking about Was this about in how the production you... notes? Was someone supposed to have this just, like, ready to go? I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel like uh, I They might beat you 99 out of 100, but that one time can beat tonight. But I haven't I... seen this movie in a decade either. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the hook anyways, is 10 so... feet tall. Is that the right one? <laughs> Where you know that that movie is pretty quotable and Hoosiers, I don't want to get into it. Not as good as you remember. Jesus, it are you saying years. Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Are we are we getting closer? <laughs> uh, no, but also a good quote. But no, no, seriously, Hoosiers is not as good as you remember. Um, I I, I watched it in the last like six months and it was bad. Um, really? hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate because like you have this memory of it being a good sports movie. Um, it's worse than than Mighty Ducks three. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah. know about that, man. That yeah. may be fighting yeah. words. Uh, you can you can reach me at Mister Mojo Rising eighty <laughs> right. nine. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> don't at me, Indiana. The whole state. I see what you did there. Yep. <laughs> I um, missed that at first. <laughs> so so um so in terms of the fullbacks, like what was your 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 grading theory or or your assessment of the four of them? Um, because all um, four played, and it, and it seemed like that was part of the plan. Yeah, Vines was just really not noticeable. He came on and didn't really do much either way. Bello, like I said, he hung in there, was pretty good. There were a couple times where he was frustrating not playing the ball fast enough. I'm sure we can all think of that one where, uh, I don't know, was it Hoppy or Ariola was just wide open and everybody in their head is screaming, pass it, pass it. And then it was, know, he it was the ball. Hop, it, it was Hoppy and you yeah. and I, I think it was you and me. And I don't know if it was Kevin or Greg in the in the group chat, like all three of us at the same time was just like, give the freaking ball up. Yeah. I mean, of the four of them, I thought Moore had the best game. He came on and was very positive, played defense, did his thing, got some crosses in. So I don't know. I thought he was I thought he was the best of the four. Yes. I guess Sunday at this point. Uh, yeah. I mean, I th- I think I think that that's a, a pretty fair assessment. Um so the the center backs, we did get a, a Henry Kessler cameo, um, <laughs> but really this was this was the Miles Robinson show uh, featuring James Sands. Yes, um, and and I think that that the if 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 the man of the the tournament was not Matt Turner or Kellen Acosta, it was Miles Robinson, and we can talk about the goal. But I, I feel like the 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 beauty of what he did in this game had very little to do with scoring a goal. Yeah, I mean, the goal is great, cherry on top, but, I mean, that dude is just – he's an animal back there. You can't – like, between – you could put, like – I feel like you could throw Matt Turner and uh, Matt Turner and Miles Robinson out there and say, try to score. <laughs> they, they'd hold it – they'd hold down the fort for a while. Yeah, I mean, like and, – and, it, and it's – I think it's, it's an interesting thing um, to think about because – we have been searching for that second center back for a really long time, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, is it Aaron Long? Is it Chris Richards? Is it Mark McKenzie? And I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to anoint someone uh, in, in a, after one tournament, but like, I think we found our guy. I mean, if he's not starting in September, I'm going to be surprised. 
because I, like I've said before, we're not France. We're not Spain. We don't have a center back that you can put out there that can do everything. They can defend, they can distribute, they can break lines running or, you know, with his feet or with his passing. We have to cobble together all of those attributes from two or three center backs. And I feel like if you put out Brooks and Robinson, you get a lot of those attributes. And maybe if you put a third one out there, I would love James Sands in the middle of a three, but in a back two, I'm not sure he's the best fit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, that, uh, that it's pretty clear that he's not comfortable as, as, as part of a pair. Um, we, we have every moment after Walker Zimmerman went down to uh, attest to that. Um, you know, but, but I think, I mean, look, I think he stood up. I think he did admirably. He didn't concede a goal as a center back in a, in a pair. So like that, there's something to that. And he was game and he, you know, he, 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 uh, he never felt like he was outside of the, the first couple moments of um, the Jamaica game, I think. And this game, I never felt like he, like the, like the moment was too big for him. Oh um, yeah. He... Oh, go ahead. I was, I yeah. felt, I... Oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 Kevin. Then, then Ben, then me. Go. Okay, so now it's my turn. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like in the in the later the games where Kellen Acosta really made his mark would be you know the last three knockout games. I felt like Sands started to to show his ceiling a little bit. I think he he composed himself better as the Mexico game wore on. Um, but I'm personally not sold on him in a back two as our. Although he had a nice tournament for James Sands, at least considering how much I thought about him as a potential option, I I still don't think that he's he's worth it versus the absolute obvious choice of Miles Robinson and John Brooks or or even Mark McKenzie slotting in there. Um, But I think that the I mean, just not to cut you off, but I think that James Sands he's not he's not like competing in my mind with Miles Robinson or Chris Richards or Mark McKenzie or Matt Miazga. Like that's not his competition. His competition is the four three three. I agree with that and, and so let's let's go down that that thought tree a second. So if we were to play a three man back line before this tournament, I feel like the conventional logic was you had to put John Brooks in the middle because we watched John Brooks get absolutely massacred playing um, in a three-man back line anytime or, or even when we were in a four-man back line anytime he had to defend in space I don't think that that's like what he can do well I don't think he's athletic enough to do so I think that putting John Brooks on the left-hand side of a three-man back line with Sands in the middle and yes you're like protecting him so he can distribute I think that that's going to be tough and I also don't think that that puts Dest who's probably one of our best players um, in a position to succeed either because he looked very very uncomfortable in a three four two one whatever you know three four three um I, I think that he's a victim i think of how the rest of the pieces fit together more so than necessarily how he could perform in a very specific role in a three-man back line uh, so are, are you talking about dust or or sands i'm talking about sands i think that sands oh, okay. puts Sands in the middle of a three-man back line puts too many people in positions that they're not comfortable in, namely Brooks somewhere on the outside of that three-man back line, and then pushing Dest to a 
uh, a wing back in, in a four man line versus it being like a a, a, a three five two, just because we don't have the personnel to play with two strikers, we don't have the personnel to pay, play with one striker. Um, so I I I, I would counter that by saying that we we have three games per world cup qualifying window and john brooks doesn't need to play three games so i think that if you if you had a three-man back line of sands robinson and i don't know mckenzie richards miazga long whoever doesn't matter kellen Kellen acosta you can put him back there on the outside he'll figure it out i mean kellen acosta can play wherever he wants yeah but um (laughs) but like the 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 idea of of playing like a, a three four three you know, nominally a three four three, but a three four two one. The same way that our four three three is really a four three two one. I think. I think that the 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 question is is like, okay, what benefit do you glean from having Sands as the central center back in a three man back line that you wouldn't get from having Acosta just deputizing with Adams? Like, I I, I see this as Sands is the break glass in case of emergency, uh, with Adams or Acosta not being there. As right. Well, to- Sands, I, sorry, Sands, I think is valuable in that he is competent as a six and competent as a central center back. So one, you can carry him on the roster and kind of cover two possible holes, but also in the same game, you can have him do what we saw him do against um, Jamaica. I forget who it was, but where I was, he was, I think it was the, that the, the uh, Canada game. Yeah, Canada, you're right. Um, where he stepped up into the midfield and was kind of like the base of a diamond in possession and then fell back into a three-man back line and was comfortable defending from a center back role there. So I feel like he's going to be useful in a three-man back line also because like the three-man back line is becoming pretty ubiquitous in like world football soccer. It's, you know, if you watch any Bundesliga, it's all over the place. You know, Tuchel's playing it with Chelsea. It's all over. Like, you know, Richards and McKenzie both playing back line, three-man back lines. It's just going to be a nice, you know, tool to have in your toolbox. And I think Sands can be a, a nice piece of that. Um, and one other thing that I'm glad somebody brought up Zimmerman. And I'm bummed we didn't get to see him more, to be honest, because I think it's pretty clear he's a pretty physically talented guy. And we never got to see him tested against a team that, you know, didn't give him time and space on the ball. So I kind of feel like that injury denied us some uh, some information on Zimmerman. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that the he he was having I actually I think before he went out, I thought he was having an incredibly nice tournament. And um, and we hope that he he recovers soon. Uh, having said all of that, let's talk about um, the answer to the ever present backup six question. That's Acosta. <laughs> That's Acosta. It's Acosta. I, I, oh like, yeah. Like we 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 don't need to we don't need to have the questions about like Taylor Booth or can Luca Della Torre. No, no, no. It's Kellen Acosta. Deal with it. No. I just um, need to start hearing the rumors to wherever he's going to go, Venezia or whatever. <laughs> it's going to be Venezia. It's that's just all all Americans go through Venezia. Um, I actually, I actually wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if it was like a non-European, like non-competing for Europe, like Portuguese team or, or a Swiss team or something. Because like, I, d- I doubt like a, a high level team is, is looking at him, but like, I feel like he, he, he plays his game so well and you saw it over the, over the course of six, but really against Mexico, like not only was he like amazing on the field, he was like the, the guy, like he, he was like the, 
looking out over the the horizon and being like, nope, don't care, winning this game, deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, he had the the, the game winning assist off of well, a, a set piece. I kind of feel like we've we've been on Sebastian Legette in this tournament for not being able to be the guy. Like you know, I've got this. And Acosta finally was like, fine, I'll do it. So <laughs> he he carried you know he carried that midfield for 120 minutes. He had like a, a Thanos Thanos moment, which is like, fine, <laughs> I'll do it myself. Yeah, and he did. Like 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 if you look at like okay, like what were the like the wow passes of this game? And it was it was his like making a play, calming things down, and then like putting a like a, a an inch perfect left footed pass like across the midfield um, to I guess it was Hoppy. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? I want to say yeah. like the, the, the late 30s. Yeah, with his uh, 40th minute, with his left foot. <laughs> yeah, it's just like leg talent. I think I... Yes. I, I, I that I was a... Good. No, uh, that was that was the end of that thought. That, no, that was, that was a weird little exchange where it was like the ball was bouncing around. It seemed like... I got the, the impression, and I don't know if this was how it was felt on the field, but it was like there were three people kind of around the ball for the for the United States and all three of them knew that Hoppy was like in on goal and a ball needed to get played and it seemed like no one wanted to try to settle the ball because no one felt like they could hit that pass until Acosta was just like screw it let me settle this thing and then he just like bombed like a, a, bombed a nice one deep um, which yeah. I think kind of is the issue with a lot of that midfield and like the idea that it was never going to be Legette's midfield to run um I don't know if that's how people thought the if that's how Burhalter thought that this lineup would function, but he's just he's not like a high usage guy, and he doesn't have a, a huge work rate. Like I I don't know. He, so I actually I actually like now that we're talking about Legette because and and we'll come back to Acosta a little bit later um, when we talk about sort of large scale Gold Cup implications and whatnot. Um, but I actually thought that this was like Legette's best game. And the reason why I say, think that is because it felt like, like as Acosta became the captain of this team um, in, in name, if not in armband or uh, in reality, if not in armband, um, I felt like Legette was like almost freed up to be like, okay, I'm just going to fit in where I fit in. And he created, I think, you know, prior to, prior to the actual goal, I think like three of the four best chances that America had the two well, to Ariola and the, um, yeah, he won the ball uh, pressing to play in Ariola that Ariola hit off the post. Yeah, Legette, I think, played really well for about 60 minutes, and then he kind of faded. And then uh, I think he got pulled right, right around yeah. there, right? Like 70 yeah. minutes in, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, the thing is, is that, like, it, it's it's like a, a, a Duncan Robinson type, right? Like a, like a three-point shooter. And if you, you play him with worse players and you expect him to be a ball handler, that's just setting him up for failure. And yeah. Sebastian Legette is the third most important, third highest usage midfielder in, at all times, regardless of who plays around him. He has to be in that role. And in that role, he can be very, very effective and very useful. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. But... Go ahead, Greg. Greg? Me. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, so, so anyways, just to say like, you know, it's not it's not a, a a a insult to say that you're the third midfielder, regardless of the talent of the people around you. It's just what your role is. Right. And and I think that he was just I think that that once he settled into that role and, and it, you know, it was helped out by Eric Williamson have having zero conscience about anything. Um, 
and and always feeling as if he is the number one midfielder. But um, you know, like I, I think Legette like was like very very uh, I, I don't want to say good, but good. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was solid for the time he was in there. He just, like I said, part of what part of what made Acosta so impressive is he didn't run out of gas. Like, uh, Legette ran out of gas. He needed to be subbed off, but. All right, so my wife is a runner. She uh, does like ten miles a couple times a week, and I've oh. tried. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried running, and I just hate it. I hate it. And almost to the, I get to the point where I think. I mean, obviously, there's a physical fitness and physical talent to running, but I almost they get to the point where it's mental, where like you can't. Like I could, you know, if I'm running, I'm, I'm at like four miles. Could I do five miles? I guess physically I could, but my brain is like, quit, 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 quit. (laughs) And I feel like Acosta has that, like, just the sheer will to, like, he showed on Sunday night to, like, keep running for that long is just, it's crazy to me. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I, I think part of it is just like... I. You know, I, I think we, we touched on it briefly about, like, a man who knows that, like, it's now or never. And I think he, he probably had a moment where he looked a, a, around at his compatriots and he was like, I cannot come off the field. Like, <laughs> I, I, I cannot come off the field because the options are me or uh, a, a 19-year-old who did not have a great tournament. Uh, a guy who played himself out of the, the, the national team. And that's it. <laughs> So, so you look down the bench and you're like, I'm not coming out because it's me or nothing. And, 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 you know, like it takes a certain amount of, like you said, will, but it also takes a certain amount of self-awareness of being like, if I don't do this, nobody's going to do this and we need to win this game. So I'm going to do this for 120 and Colorado, please sell me somewhere with it where they're not playing games yet. And I remember him saying, I think it was after November, maybe after the November window, he had just played with all the uh, Europe, you know, European based guys. And after that camp, a, a quote came out like of Kellen Acosta saying, I've got to get to Europe. Like if he, I think he practiced with those guys for a week or whatever. And was like, crap, if I don't, if I don't show out and get over here, I'm never going to stay in this team. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, lucky for him based on at least the Mark Anthony K uh, transfer. Um, it appears that, that he's on his way. So good. Um, I mean, look, MLS is great, but, but it's not at the same quality. Um, it's just reality. Don't at me. Um, so, uh, let's talk about, I, I guess we can, we can talk about the wingers first. Um, Paul Ariola 
if Paul Ariello was 5% better at literally anything, anything to do with the ball, uh, he would be world-class and you can't convince me differently. So are you going to credit Ben for that? Because you stole almost word for word his, <laughs> his opener for Paul, you know what's uh, Paul funny? Ariello. Do you know what's funny? I, uh, I, so I, I read that multiple times I'm, and I'm not at my computer, as I've mentioned. And I remember reading that, like, now that you pointed out, obviously I got it from there. So uh, you too, dear listener, can steal things from Ben if you go to halfspaces.com. Um, <laughs> and like, and like, it like just was like embedded in my brain. So I apologize, Ben. That is, that is. I'm honored, Asa. I'm honored. Uh, it's homage. It's not theft. Um, <laughs> but, but. Anyways, fair use. Yeah, fair use. Um, DMCA notice. I don't actually know how those work. Um, I'm a lawyer. So Ben, what do you, what do you <laughs> mean by that? That's why we suck. <laughs> well, <laughs> he actually came out with like the fourth highest score, like of all their guys you graded. Which, if you like think about it, like just memories from the game, you're like, what are you crazy? Are you what's the matter with you? But like, he works so hard, and like even being in the position to blow an opportunity is like you did all the work and all the, like the spatial recognition to be there to blow the opportunity. So it's, like it's it's like um when when you watch a, a wide receiver drop a wide open touchdown and you're like oh you stupid blah, blah. but then you're like wait how was he that open <laughs> like yeah. what did he do and in, in the build up to get to that opportunity to screw up so so badly so like he's good at so much stuff and then when it comes time to just do that last little thing he just doesn't have that doesn't have that extra little bit uh so so paul if you want to get that extra little bit um you know i was gonna make a viagra joke but that's that's beneath me Um, michael's secret sauce was right there yeah but i don't i don't want to do advertisements for a movie that is has been sequeled into an advertisement i don't know if any of you have seen space jam 2 but it's apparently just an advertisement for warner brothers ip that makes sense yeah, for like two two hours, it's just like random assortments of like LeBron James going to various parts of the Warner Brothers shared universe, which includes like The Matrix and Casablanca uh, for reasons that are apparently unclear. I have not watched it because uh, I'm not going to pay to watch LeBron James sell me, um, I don't know, on The Matrix, I guess. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> I, I don't remember how I got on that digression. Uh, oh, Michael Secret Sauce, right? Got it. Okay, so Matthew Hoppy had actually the uh, the moment of the game for me from a um, Concacaf, whatever, <laughs> which was like five minutes in, he stepped over someone like he was Iverson, um, but it was on like a, a throw in, so it wasn't really earned. And I, I loved every bit of that from him. Oh yeah, he kind of did the Gio Reyna thing too, like stood over him and like yelled down at him. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Well, and he shoved him over. <laughs> <laughs> and like like i love that that's like that's like part of like a little bit becoming part of the american dna to be just like a little bit high school bully of the whole thing <laughs> uh someone someone pointed out that that he um matthew hoppy looks sort of like the villain from doug uh yes <laughs> that was so good Roger I, 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 yeah i really don't remember who pointed that out on twitter um, Watkey retweeted it. And by the way, Watkey's whole thing about um, Hoppy being irritating is very on point. Like he, yeah. you just want to punch him. He's um. Do you know who he is? He's uh. He's Aaron Kraft. 
the the point guard from Ohio State from a couple mm. of years ago, who's just like everybody in the Big Ten was like, that dude just needs to get punched in the face. And and I feel like Matthew Hoppy is going to be that to CONCACAF until about 2030. <laughs> or you could just, just pick like any Duke guard over the last oh, yeah, 15 right. years. Don't acknowledge that school. Um, because if you have three first round draft pick, or three uh, lottery draft picks, then you should probably make a final four. And if you can't, then you don't get to get talked about on this podcast. Hey, that's like, a but seriously, Austin reference. Rivers's actual nickname was Austin Rivers's punchable face. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But like, you, you got to sort of a little bit feel bad for Austin Rivers because Austin Rivers met his dad when he was drafted. <laughs> <laughs> Plus his dad talked like me his entire life. Right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry austin uh so anyway so jossie's artist played 120 minutes of high press and it was cool and good and fun and we sort of came around pretty early in this tournament i don't remember at what point we started saying like uh Zardis needs to play more but um he played more and he played well and i think dk was gassed and hurt and um you know at, at his best maybe he's a better option but a hurt and gassed DK is not better than a engaged Zardis. Sorry, right, Zardis kind of went to the Acosta school of fitness training or something, because again, that guy is just supreme condition. He ran and ran and ran and ran, and 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 like there there was a certain like grit to it because like he wasn't like you know like we joke about about him like being like a stupid goal scorer, uh, and he actually almost had one in this game too, but um. Like for 120 minutes, uh, he was like he was engaged, and he was like leading that high press. And um, his hold up play was pretty good for all the crap people give him about like you know having the cement feet and you know the touch of a donkey or whatever. Um, he made it stick a few times, so I don't know. He did he did a nice job. I think I, I think like increasing and and especially since we we really don't know what the center forward situation is going into to World Cup qualifying, which I guess it's probably time to talk about, um, at least in a in a broad sense. Um, he he has a part to play. Like there's something to the ability to play a low block, get it up to a guy who can hold up for a second, pass it off to your lithe wingers who can who can run in. Um, right. I I think striker is probably the position in the pool where we have the least clarity. I mean, cause I, I guess at least at left back, you're saying it's Robinson vines bellow and there's not really anybody else. Or Whereas at, even yeah, like, right. Yeah. If dust might be the number one, but I don't know right. if we can get to that. But at striker, you could literally list like 10 names and tell me they're starting in September. And I'd be like, Oh, all right. Do yeah. Think, I mean, let, do you think we can convince ahead. the other team to play 10 on 10? <laughs> we just don't have a striker neither do well, like, I just I, ask really nicely what what I'm wondering and and I guess I guess like we can talk about this a little bit I wonder like is there value in playing Gio Reyna as a false nine because he's tough and he's wide and he he probably could do some hold up play and then you can play uh, Pulisic and, and Wea uh, running well, off I think if you're going to make one of those guys into a, a forward I think Wea is probably the best candidate well, because yeah, he, he actually plays forward sometimes, right? Yeah, <laughs> I would agree there. Um, I, I actually, I, 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 I know that everybody across the 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 Twitterverse and and when we've talked loves the idea of the four two three one, where Reina gets to play centrally. Um, so 
so any any opportunity to play Weya and Reyna together is something that I'm I'm very very uh, in favor of. So I I think coming off of this tournament, um, you know, let's let's just go to go round robin. We can start with uh with Greg, then Kevin, then Ben. Uh, you can't take someone you know talk about someone from this tournament who who sort of impressed you or disappointed you uh, uh yeah, yeah i get to go first i'm taking matt turner uh you know like we said before like ben was joking about it, it seems like every time we have a tournament we find a new number one goalie and it's just encouraging to see i guess how deep the current crop of young goalies is because if nothing else you know competition fosters better play and i think that we are primed to have uh good to great goalie play for the next 10 years 15 years goalies can play for a while yeah i mean i I think i think turner's what 26 uh stefan i think is 25 horvath's 25 you know they're not old um, so I think, I think we're probably in good shape despite the Ochoa news. Although, uh, today we're, we're recording on Wednesday. There was like a 17 year old who started and kept a clean sheet for, for one of the MLS teams. Turner is 27, by the way. Oh, just my. turned it. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? He's, we talk about this. He's a young 27 because he wasn't starting until last year. Right. Um, so, okay. So Kevin, who do you want to talk about? I guess Callan Acosta. I mean, it's it's very like on the nose to do so, but I think that he, even going back to the Nations League final, he did a, a really nice job just kind of filling in wherever as needed. Um, he he took quite a bit of heat early in this in the Gold Cup tournament for less than ideal performances, but truthfully, when he he grew into the tournament when things mattered the most, he put in his his biggest performances and you can point to some very obvious things for Turner that where he very clearly kept us in games with very, very nice saves. Um, but against Mexico, if he didn't turn into the super sane version of himself, you know, for minute 70 on, uh, I don't know where that game would have landed and I don't know who would have been the engine to drive us, um, you know, to, to win that game. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Acosta, but I think that that's pretty fair. Um, Ben, Ben, what, who, of the, of the remaining, I guess, 21, who do you got? <laughs> I'm looking at the list and like trying to find like the hipster pick. <laughs> oh, I already, I already have my hipster pick. No way you're going to choose mine. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Hoppy. Um, just because like coming into this tournament, I really thought he might've been just like a, a kid who had like a flash in the pan month in the Bundesliga and was just going to kind of fade back into obscurity. But uh, after watching him in the tournament, I mean, I hope he gets a move to a decent club and gets a shot at forward. Because, I mean, he just, he kept showing, he kept showing not only like technical and like skills on the field, but I don't know. I just love the attitude. Like you always want that irritating guy. On, well, you want him on your team. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I don't know. He's, I, I enjoyed seeing him. I enjoyed what he brought to the group. If yeah. It, if it was up to me, I mean, if we had a world cup qualifier tomorrow, like screw it, start him at the nine. Right. I don't Why not? That. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it, it, I think that it's a bit more natural to what he does for Schalke. 
Like I thought that they were playing him way too wide this whole tournament. And obviously he like shocker, Greg Burhalter might know more about the player pool than I do. <laughs> um, and he, he looked fine doing it, but it seems like playing him centrally is the no brainer. Cause really other than him, I, I mean, I maybe, maybe Zardas, I don't know. Sargent's kind of had a hot start in the Bundesliga, but I also think he's playing out of position there as well. So second it. Bundesliga. I'm sorry. Yes, you're correct too, Bundy. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I, I was, I, I thought that you were going to take Miles Robinson, um, who we, we've talked about extensively. He's, he's, he's had a great tournament. Um, but the, the player who actually, who, who impressed me the most in the, in this outside of the ones already mentioned was, was actually Sam Vines. Um, because I watched him, you know, we, we watched him play a significant amount across this tournament and, I, you know, aside from him looking like, what did we decide? He looks like Gizmo from Gremlins. Yep. Uh, he does. He I was, was I went with Mr. Tumnus, but Gizmo was the more popular one. <laughs> Evil so, Gizmo. Evil Gizmo. Um, so, so aside from like, I was, I was super uh, critical of him in, uh, in, in earlier tournaments that, that we don't need to talk about. Um, but I thought that he really like lended himself to, uh, an ability to to drive the game forward both offensively and also like just like handle his business um, on the left side, and you know it, it appears that in the the ideal of the of Burhalter system, um, you know like there's there is that sort of more defensive left back, uh, you know, and and I think that that having having uh vines as a as a sort of a, a backup option to whoever we decide to play at left back um is going to be super useful uh you know going into these games at jamaica or at honduras or whatever i mean he's a competent left back how often in the last 20 years can the united states say we have a competent left back I we mean, had we one con- guy we converted a winger mark demarcus beasley for a few years and that was like it yeah, it was Demarcus Beasley playing out of position. <laughs> that was our left back plan that sort of worked, <laughs> I guess. Does Fabian Johnson mean nothing to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we've if we've learned nothing, it's that you should make the entire team out of right backs. Right backs. <laughs> our best left back is a right back. <laughs> you can't argue that. I mean, it's there, on brand. There, there was a point where Fabian Johnson was like the best option at five positions. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 there was a there was a thing going around where it was like, is there in, like there's an argument right now that that Tyler Adams is the best option at like three and a half positions. Uh, so I, I, I don't hate it, but okay. So I think um, you know, obviously, as as the World Cup qualifying comes. Around, we'll we'll deal with rosters and players and all that other fun stuff. Um, oh, in other news, Schalke put up leaked that apparently the the price tag for for Hoppy is eight million euro. So, oh. I, I mean that's that's like reasonable, I guess. It's not like it's not like twenty million dollars at all, yeah. though. Yeah, right. <laughs> um. So so I think that 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 it's not unlikely he'll move. Um, but I, I think like, let's just, uh, just one, one last thing. Let's, um, let's talk about Greg Berhalter because Greg Berhalter has gotten so much crap from this fan base, um, you know, stretching back to probably Canada, like the Canada nations league in, in 2019. Um, you know, and I think that, that this tournament 
with America's what C squad or B team or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. It was not our best. We did not have, we had, we had what one starter, maybe, maybe right. we had one starter. Maybe we had two, depending on, on whether or not you, you see Reggie Cannon as a starter, but he didn't even start, but one game in this tournament. So um, he took that and he took that against a teams and he won, you know, and, and look like, you can acknowledge that Mexico didn't have certain players because of injury and because of the Olympics. But the fact of the matter is that uh, Tecatito Corona was there, you know, Nestor Araujo was there. Hector Herrera was there. These, these players are the best they've got. And they weren't better than Matthew Hoppy and friends. Well, I mean, Berhalter started under like just a weird cloud. Like if I told you that Trinidad and Tobago hired their CEO's brother, as is their coach. He'd be like, okay, of course they did. And like, that's how it started. And I, that's not fair to him. It's not his fault, but like, it's just like, oh, great. This, this, it just is a bad look. And then like the, the system keeps changing. And I don't know. It just, it had got off to a weird start. And I forget who said this, but somebody said we thought he was a system coach, but it turns out he's like a culture coach. And, yeah, he's he's adapted the system and he hasn't you know stayed married to any one thing. And he's seems like he's recruited well. The players are clearly like willing to kill themselves for him. Like he's, you know, at least for a while, he can tell everybody to go suck it. How you doing, coach? I'm doing great today, coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out? Completely free. Completely free. But they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like... You got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any, any moron can do it because again, I do it. Now that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can, I can, I don't really know how to edit, but you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy you're just not that good at it it's all right and we when we say you we mean the royal you listener not just you asa uh or you greg right uh and not just you greg you greg but you greg greg who who i assume listens does do do we have confirmation that greg burhalter listens to the podcast we have confirmation that a greg listens to the podcast why do we need a second one i mean you certainly don't need an extra g no, that's just, Correct. that's incredibly wrong. Um, but, you know, people listen to our, our podcast and they, they listen to it all over the place. So does that happen by magic? It, it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. <laughs> well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. Our what more do you need than those three? 
right? Our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What, what do you want? Um, so here's, here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pray, paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos, could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're, we're, we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. Your uh, ideas intrigue me, and I would like to sub- subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little follow button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, so it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So, do you want to do you want to do, do the call to action, or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. So. Dear listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchor.fm slash TLS underscore N underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. How's it going, friend? Oh, they're doing pretty good. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. I'm just, uh, you know, watching a uh, some some preseason soccer and uh, generally getting excited for American football to start. How you doing, Coach? Woo! American football. Go, 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 team! Um, all right, so so we're here to talk uh, very formally about the. 2021 Michigan State football schedule. Um, break it down. Highlights, lowlights. What we think will happen and not happen. So, uh, so before we go, go, you know, game by game. Um, any, uh, any notable aspects of this? I brought this up in the Michigan preview, but why, why are they going to Miami? Uh, yeah, it's not clear. It's not what anybody wants to do. <laughs> Yeah, there were there were a few bizarre home and homes scheduled in the in the early aughts, and I felt like a lot of them ended up being canceled. Some of them were weirdly fun, like the Boise State ones. We're still we're still waiting for uh, the boys in Tuscaloosa to make that return trip up at, up to East Lansing. But uh, it it is surprising to see this Miami one actually ended up happening. Period. Especially, especially after last year when we were all like. Oh man, we don't have to play Derek King. Wow, that's terrible. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> but here we are. And then we have to play Derek King. We do end up having to play Derek King, yes. Shock the world. Uh yes. Uh playing playing at noon in the middle of Coral Gables. Uh what everybody wants to do in mid-September. Yep. Um in hurricane yeah. season. 
Right. And that's not a pun. It's a reality of climate science. <laughs> Though it is, uh, as, as our uh, football team has increasingly made South Florida part of its recruiting territory, you wonder if they're uh, not just planning to make a week of it, um, <laughs> hang out a little bit. It's Miami. Yeah. Enjoy themselves. Sure. You, you know, you go down on a, like, like make a long weekend of it. You go down Thursday night, you hang out Thursday night, Friday, you do the things you need to do on Saturday and then, you know, stay till Sunday, come back Monday. It's fine. No, you take the first flight out on Monday morning. Right. And you're not Give feeling great. A full Sunday. Yeah. You, you don't feel great on that Monday morning flight. Um, you know, your head sort of hurts and, and you're tired, but you know, you return to Michigan, no worse for the wear. I assume that Monday morning flight's a little bit better when you're taking a private jet chartered specifically for you, as opposed to, uh, you know, stuffing yourself in the back of a Frontier Airlines, hoping that some kid doesn't yell what his parents are worth at you and then gets duct taped to a seat. Can we talk about how awesome that is? Can we talk about how Matthew Barry would have a son that's roughly around 22 and that kid's name is Max Barry? I'm just saying. Wait, hold on. That, like, who? I thought it was Matthew Perry. I saw Max. I saw Max yeah, Barry. I think it's Barry. Uh, okay, so without getting into the linguistic uh, relationship between the P sound and the B sound, um, uh, Matt Barry, son, got duct taped to a Frontier flight. And allegedly, allegedly, uh, there's something so ironic about going on a Frontier flight and talking about how much your dad is worth. Yes. No. One hundred percent. It's like that's like going to a TGI Fridays and be like, my dad could buy this place. It's like that's not that impressive, dude. <laughs> it costs seven fifty on weekends. Uh, it's it's like yeah, like cool. Like I'm glad that your dad could buy this TGI Fridays, but like, you take out a mortgage on it, you got to put like not that much down. <laughs> uh, yeah, my favorite joke about the kid on the flight was that uh, you, so the flight crew got suspended for the week because they didn't follow proper protocol in so doing a the passenger and the, my favorite joke up. my favorite joke was yeah they got in trouble because they needed duct tape to hold the plane together <laughs> <laughs> so i actually um my my wife who who listens to this podcast all the time so i'm, I'm sorry in advance uh i don't actually know if she listens i think she does um she took the early morning flight out of miami after a long weekend once um and she, uh, the, the, the frontier one back to, to North Jersey. And oh. uh, she said it was not fun. No, was, that has it, to, I can't. Yeah, my my one frontier experience is a Vegas red eye and it's, it's a never again for me. I was just <laughs> going to say the only two places I can think of that would be worse to be on a frontier, like early morning or red eye are Vegas or New Orleans. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it's not my story to tell, but. It, it it started that that experience of her of her getting from the the hotel to to the the airport and the flight itself um it started bad and ended up worse uh and uh if i remember correctly uh dear co-host i think you then uh climbed into bed with me uh there's a good chance oh yeah no i do remember <laughs> what you're talking about yep <laughs> uh i i think that that was no you didn't you 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 climbed into bed with our other with our other friend I climbed into bed with somebody because I think I fell asleep on a chair. Uh, that is my uh, recollection, yes. Anyways, Michigan State football. <laughs> Going it's to Miami. The, it's the falling asleep on a chair of the Big Ten. 
<laughs> um, I would say the, the most interesting thing about this schedule, uh, at least the images that I'm seeing, um, are that every team that we play before the University of Michigan on Devil's Night uh, has a one um, has a, a letter for a logo, which I think is super weak. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, what about except- Western, what about Western Kentucky? Yeah, oh, WKU's right. got three. Yeah, they they they've got three letters, um, which which makes them I, I suppose three times as powerful as the other teams. I yeah, guess transfer property. Yeah. Uh, interesting note. Uh, the of those teams, the, uh, the the helmet letters in the first six weeks outside of uh, Western Kentucky spell run. I don't know what that means, but you know. Oh, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to the runny part of the schedule. Uh, we'll get to the passy part later. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm happy with that. I don't even care. It was so um, bad. <laughs> so uh, game one is is our now annual Friday night late game. Um, this time it, it takes place at Spartan Stadium West in Evanston. Um, so what what are our thoughts about about uh? Friday of Labor Day at Northwestern in Chicago. And are either of you going to try to make that game? I know that, that Jonathan, you've, you've in the past. Um, yeah, started- this, this was one I was disappointed that I, I'm going to have to miss. I, I have a wedding in Ohio that weekend. So I will be, I will be watching that one rudely from a phone somewhere. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. Okay. So that's, I, I, I think that the, the only thing to say about what Northwestern there is that, um, it's not the D'Antonio era, so our strict uh, and rigid commitment to a certain type of defense is not going to kill us against this one team. Sure. Well, I, the, I think the, 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 go ahead, John. Sorry. I think the other big thing that we're going to start to see out of this Northwestern game are, are the new faces, right? Uh, it's kind of a unique advantage that Michigan State will have going into this season is that we know what we have, whereas a lot of other teams kind of need to piece together film from across conferences, across divisions. Uh, and, and so I think being able to go in with a coherent game plan and, and look like a team that has got to practice in person for the first time in a while, I think that's going to be a, an opportunity to show something exciting um, that you're hopefully going to be able to bring into the Youngstown State game home opener and then also bring back with you on that weird uh, frontier trip down to Miami Gardens. Um, so, so I think, I think you, you know, you, you alluded to it, but that, that Youngstown State game, you know, it's, it's in between two games that, that are road games and should be conceptually difficult. Um, Miami, obviously, more difficult than, than uh, Northwestern, but I think it's, it's, it's well-positioned to give us a chance to, okay, like you come out, you see what works and what doesn't against Northwestern. And then you can sort of go base for a week, mm-hmm. essentially, essentially have another week of, um, you know, like you don't want to, to, to overlook them. Um, but you know, you have a, a, another week of working on your, your base program before you go down to Miami and, and run some things out. Um, so the next game that we have uh, after the Miami, the return on Monday morning from Coral Gables is uh is the 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 Cornhuskers of Miami or of North Nebraska? Yes, famous <laughs> Miami, famous place of husking corn. Uh, you know, you don't know. It's not. I actually think it's it's interesting. We get sometimes um, when teams relocate, they they keep the nickname, and it just gets yeah. really confusing. That must have been it. Yeah, Nebraska had to move to Miami for compliance purposes in the late '30s. I was gonna say for tax reasons. <laughs> uh, Nebraska doesn't believe in taxes. 
yeah, neither does the state of Florida. Yes. <laughs> Perfect marriage. <laughs> um, so we get Scott Frost and friends. Um, to my knowledge, Nebraska is still bad. Uh, do we have any evidence to refute that point of view? Absolutely none, except for their uh, wild optimism and <laughs> confidence in themselves that they displayed in bringing back Big Ten football last year only to completely shit the bed for the entirety of the season. So I, I don't know if you guys are aware of the, the Reddit um, subreddit leopards e- uh, eating your face. Yes. Uh, and, and that like just like feels like Nebraska, like Nebraska, like pushes real hard to get football back, loses everything, more or less. Um, okay, so then we get uh, a night game, homecoming at home. Obviously, homecoming is at home. Uh, night game against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Do we know why this is happening? Easy win for homecoming. Uh, I'm, I mean, more why Western Kentucky. No. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, it, was added, it was added about a few years ago. Um, I guess it was a nice revenue opportunity for, for our friends down in Bowling Green. Um, I know it was scheduled uh, around the same time they also scheduled home and home with Alabama. So they must have felt they had a shot in at least one of those. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay. So, uh, so we, we've, got, we've got that coming. Um, so after that, we've got road trips to North Jersey and, well, Central Jersey and Bloomington, Indiana. Um, both of those should be mildly to significantly annoying. Um, we'll get into our, our predictions and why, but, uh, Rutgers, obviously these are, this is the, the new Shiano Rutgers. So it's not like the, uh, embarrassment that it had been. Um, and obviously Michigan state lost to them last year at home, <laughs> yeah. which sucked. They got um, ran up the building by Rutgers last year. That was yeah. a, that was a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Although it sort of made the, the week after Rutgers that much better. Yes, um, very true. You know, like, like if, if, if Michigan State had mopped the floor with Rutgers last year, obviously it would have been better. But, like, then you're going into the, the Michigan game, and you're just like, ah, both of these teams, maybe they're good, maybe they're not. Whereas Michigan State was coming off of a loss to a Rutgers team that at that time we figured was, like, real bad. And then and, and Michigan was coming off a win against the Minnesota team we thought was good. Neither of yep. those turned out to be true. Yep, um, nobody knew anything. 2020 yes. doesn't count. 2020 doesn't count, except for wins over Michigan and Northwest. Uh, so then, then we go to the, the fighting home field apparels of Indiana. Um, <laughs> I assume that they're just going to rename themselves in, in the near future. Um, Indiana's good. They have a quarterback whose name rhyme with, rhymes with penis. There's not much more to say. It absolutely does not. It just shares them. Yeah, I was going to say, they, are, they don't rhyme at all. They are just spelled very similarly. Uh, fine. <laughs> Pronounced uh, Penix. Yeah. Penix, penis, whatever. Uh, you know what the word rhyme means? Don't worry about it. Then we got a bye week. Um, moving on. Uh, so bye week and then uh, Devil's Night visit from, from the, uh, the University of Michigan Ann Arbor Wolverines. Um. Not the University of... Do, do we know what the, the mascot is for University of Michigan Flint or Dearborn? Do they have the same mascot? The mascot... Oh, I didn't hear you. The mascot for what? For uh, Dearborn or Flint. Is it also the Wolverines? I think so. I think it's all just considered one university. Correct. Well, like... Like, uh, like University of Texas El Paso has, like, a different mascot than University of Texas Austin. 
Right, but uh, the Texas legislature created them as separate bodies, same way that Alabama created Alabama and UAB. Uh, so they're affiliated, but they're more affiliated like the California state system. Michigan's uh, Michigan is uh, under a single umbrella. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Um, wait, did you? I, I I doubt we're gonna talk about this elsewhere. But did you guys see the uh, the state senate hearings in in Texas this week? Yes. Jonathan, did you see? This? Yeah, the, the 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 TCU senator chirping just <laughs> just to, just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, so it's I like, mean, he's uh, got a point. Yeah, she she was like, so was like like the, the the crux of her her statement was like, so what's your your budget? Two hundred fifty million. Whole lot of money to lose. And it's She's like, right. well, we, we didn't lose that much. It's like lost the TCU five of the last seven. <laughs> Which is just great chirping. Or and then later she said, um, so you just basically would rather lose to Alabama than TCU. Yep, that was it. That was <laughs> one I liked. That one was real good. Um so okay, so so Michigan on Devil's Night, I'm sure that'll go normally. Uh then a, a trip to Purdue, um get uh Maryland at home and then at Columbus and then Penn State at home. So uh end the season with probably the two most Two out of the three most difficult games. I'm going to give Miami a nod there because I don't know how good Penn State is. Um, but I, I think ending the season on two pretty difficult games. But it gives us an opportunity to get some some momentum going into uh, into late late November. What do, what do you think about like overall schedule construction here, uh, Jonathan? Any any thoughts? No, I I think um, we actually set ourselves up a little better than in years past. It's a hard schedule because I think the quality of the Big Ten has probably gotten there. But I remember there was a couple year stretch where I want to say we would finish the season with like 11 straight games without a bye week. And so seeing at least some breaks on the schedule right before the Michigan game and and also kind of earlier in the year as well. um, That's nice. Um, I do think it is going to make becoming bowl eligible by the Maryland game important because I don't know. I don't know if you can comfortably go into the last game of the season, expecting to beat your fiercest rival at home. Um, the motivation of the trophy is one thing. The motivation of the bowl is another. I just don't know where the talent levels have been. I know Penn state has been recruiting at a much higher level. Um, I just, I, I, I would I would like to be bowl eligible by the Maryland game. I agree. I, I think agree. that's a pretty good goal. Yeah. So okay, so so let's do the uh the 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 schedule breakdown. Um as mentioned during the, the, the Michigan schedule preview, what we do is we go through. Um and if two of the three of us agree, then then that's what the consensus record will be. Um, the stupidity of this game is that you just need two out of three and you get things like us saying that Michigan was going to go like, no, we said eight and four, which sounds right. Um, yep. We started off like eight and one and then they lost their last three, which, yep. fine. Um, okay. So opening night, Friday night of, of Labor Day at Northwestern. Um, what, what do you guys, what do you guys think we're going to go? So first Jonathan, then Greg, then I'll, then I'll put. I see Northwestern as a win. Okay. I'm saying win. All right. So I say win as well. So that's one to know. Um, Youngstown State, everybody say win. Yeah. Si, senor. Okay. Dosa Sarah. Uh, 
wrong half of the podcast. Anyways, Tracy so, uh, so then we go to 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 Miami, Jonathan. Let's uh, let's keep the train going. That's another win. Okay, I've got L. Uh, I I have an FL, but also an L. Two and one. Um, so now we got so we're 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 two and one going or uh, yeah two and one going into Nebraska coming to Spartan Stadium. Uh, Jonathan, what do you got for Nebraska? I think they can keep it going, and that's another win. Okay. I have to say win until – I have to assume that Nebraska still sucks until they give us a reason to believe they don't. Uh, yeah, that is my working assumption as well. So consensus three and one. Um, Western Kentucky, uh, homecoming, night game. Everybody going to be real up for that, for the Hilltoppers coming to town. Uh, Jonathan, you got a win or a loss? I think that's going to be a, a really close win. Probably one of the scarier wins on the schedule, but uh, I see I see the Spartans being able to continue their momentum and start the season 5-0. and out. Greg? Uh, I also have it as a win, and I agree with Jonathan that it'll probably be a scarier win than it needs to be because that's just how we do business here. That that is what we do. Um, so that game is is a is a night game, uh, week seven. Um, it's it's like a weird. Uh, Say week seven. Oh, sorry, week week five. But yeah. Um, so the 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 weird thing about that is that the other like like they've decided to counter program this game with like nothing good. Like it's it's like it's not a good uh, week. But you know what's going to be like the other 7.30 or 8 o'clock game is you get Lane Kiffin coming to Tuscaloosa. So we're going to be watching this game and just begging for Michigan State to handle business so that we, you can watch the end of what is inevitably a very stupid Ole Miss-Alabama game. And Michigan State will not do us that favor. Can't um, wait. I have that as a win, but like the type of win that's like 24 to 14 and it's like 17 to 14 midway through the fourth quarter and you're just biting your nails the entire time. Um. So that means we're at consensus five and one going to, or uh, four and one going to Piscataway, New Jersey, um, which has a, a very nice tailgating scene. Actually, I, I was there once. It was uh, or twice. Um, good spot. Yeah, I think this is when the schedule really starts to unravel for him. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I, I have Rutgers as a loss. Okay, and it's a noon game, so whatever the implications of, of that being a new game um, are what they are. But John, you think they can take Miami, but not Rutgers? Yeah, I think um, my rationale there is that MSU is going to be, have no film on them or at least not enough film on them where it like becomes a huge strategic advantage. And then by the time Rutgers gets around, I think teams are going to just are kind of shellacking them. Got it. All right. I have Rutgers as a win. Uh, I also has, have Rutgers as a win. So that gets us to a consensus five and one going to Bloomington, Indiana. Yep. Um, I have that as a, a very, very disheartening loss. Yeah, that's a loss in mine, too. Ruins the birthday weekend. See. Sarah E. Trace. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not going to be good. So then bye week. Uh, do we think that we win the bye week? It doesn't count for the schedule, but... Um, you know, with with so much of the bye week moving online, and and I think that our our fan base is going to be really fired up to just be really toxic and mean over the internet. And I think, yeah, we're going to be able to win that bye week. So 
um, you know, notably, we, we, we do need to know what our uh, erstwhile rivals are doing that week. Um, because, you know, the, the, the folks over uh, in Ann Arbor, you know, they're not going to be uh, bi-week ready. And they're not going to be, be ready to, to, to focus on uh, RCMB v MGO blog when they're focused on Northwestern. So I do think that we can win that bi-week. Uh, which gets us to what is certainly going to be uh, a super normal and straightforward weekend. Devil's Night, Halloween weekend, Michigan, Michigan State in East Lansing. Jonathan, not only, I, I want not only your assessment of the game or your, or your, your prediction, but, but like a, a mild assessment of what Grand River will look like, say, 9 p.m. that night. Yeah, this is... Um... This is going to be an exciting one. The city of East Lansing has more or less doubled their hotel room capacity, um, preparing for uh, uh, what should be a much more vibrant and dense Grand River tailgating experience. Um, and I actually think that that bye week is going to do wonders for MSU, and they're going to be able to come out of that fired up. Um, I don't know if we're going to have the same heroes as we had in last year's game, given the number of new faces, but... Um, I think this is going to be um, coming off of two straight losses as a as a way to kind of uh, steer the ship. I see MSU beating Michigan and East Lansing this Halloween. Okay, and that gets bowl eligibility. Um, that would that would get us to the the vaunted bowl eligibility under under uh, both the Jonathan and the consensus picks. Um, all right, Greg, what what are your thoughts on traveling to East Lansing for a Michigan Michigan State game? And also your prediction. Uh, well, I'm going to go against what I said in the Michigan preview and say that Michigan State comes away this time with a win. So that already there's our bowl eligibility right there. And you know, going to going to East Lansing for a Michigan Michigan State game is always worth it. If you guys haven't had the opportunity, listeners, to do it yet, I highly suggest it. Uh, just make sure that you're wearing green and white because then you get more free beer. Uh, also, um, don't break your hands the night before, because then certain people will just be like, oh, put a beer on it. And then you have a broken hand and you wake up with not only a headache, but again, a broken hand. Hey, man, we didn't break your hand. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's not our fault. Just because we told you to hold a, holding a cold beer is the same thing as icing it. Prove me wrong. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Two versus so, one per our normal rules. Yeah. <laughs> consensus says that was a good idea yeah it was a good it was a good pick all right so jonathan has it says a win greg what do you got i said win oh you got win okay i also think win so that gets us consensus uh six and two going yep. into november um co so so coming off the high of both bowl eligibility and a win over uh hated rival michigan we go to west lafayette and what will certainly be an 11 o'clock local kick uh, on ESPN two with Beth Mullins. Uh, what do you got, Jonathan? Oh, uh, I, I think that this is a short lived week of fun and we lose to Purdue. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the schedule and I don't see anything on November 6th. I see Purdue. Blank. It's just blank. Oh, you're it, so, so the, the theory is, is that Purdue does not exist, which I don't have any solid counter arguments for. I think it's a win. I don't think there's a letdown. I I think that that's that's a, like a fifty-four to, to twenty loss. <laughs> I think that that game gets out of hand real quick and yep. does not get under control. Damn. All right. 
So consensus six and three. Um, and then we get uh, the, uh, the Maryland uh, fighting DC TV markets um, mm-hmm. coming to town, which is, I actually, you know, I, I enjoy Maryland coming to town because they always have interesting uh, jerseys and I'm, I, I like Jersey discussion and Michigan state is now embracing that as well. So I think that it could be uh, a nice clash of styles uh, on the, on the uh, fashion aspect Great as well iron. as, uh, it could it could inspire a, a generation of children to not want to watch Maryland versus Michigan State ever again. So, Jonathan, what do you got? Um, I'm actually excited about this Maryland game. Um, on, but I, it's I I'm struggling to pick this one. I I do I would love love to say that this is going to be win number seven, but I I see this being also as a as one of many losses to end what is a frustrating season. Okay. So Greg, what do you got? I have it as a win taking down the lesser tag of Iola. Uh, yeah. So I, I actually, I think that this is, this is a, a battle of former Saban uh, acolytes in, in Tucker and Loxley. Um, and I think that Tucker's better. So I, I'm going to give this to Michigan state. We are officially uh, at seven and three. Yes. Um, do we want to just skip over this next one? Yeah, that's that's a big L. Yeah. Jonathan, any thoughts about Columbus, Ohio? Um, MSU has played a late November game in, in Columbus, Ohio and shocked the world with a team arguably as talented as this one. But uh, they will not do that <laughs> this year. Uh, seven and four. That's a consensus loss. At Ohio Stadium. So now we've got the Battle for the Land Grant Trophy. Uh, everybody's favorite end-of-the-year game. I, I wish that the Big Ten would make it protected as the last game of the season. I think that um, – actually, I actually think that having Michigan versus Penn State and Michigan State versus Ohio State the weekend before the last weekend of the season is also something that they should lock in and just have those four teams play a, a quasi-round robin. Um, but Land Grant Trophy, 7-4 and four Michigan State versus either a good or a very bad Penn State. Because I don't know if last year was real for them. Um, Jonathan, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we lose this one, too. Okay. Greg? I agree. I can't see them being as bad as they were again last year. Like, that just – that screamed fluke to me. Yeah. I, I actually think that Michigan State will win this game because I think that late season Michigan State-Penn State games are so snowy and cold and miserable that, like, I don't know. Why not? Let's bite some knees. Uh, but so that's that's our consensus. Seven and five, uh, 2021 Michigan State season and a trip to, I don't know, Nashville for the Music City Bowl or something like that. Could be worse. Could be. worse. Yeah, I think I think we're going to end up in one of the non non nice Florida bowl games, um, you know, like somewhere in kind of in state, maybe. Could or like middle kind of mid-December but it's a bowl game I think I think the most important thing for this team is going to be um rivalry victory and getting some additional practices in Um, I think Mel Tucker won't be on the hot seat I think that culture wise there's he's shown enough kind of in the transformation in order to keep his job um I don't think he sees this as year one, but I do think a lot of people do. And I, um, 
I hope that there's more to be excited about in the later half of the season than what I'm expecting. Uh, I agree. I agree. I actually think seven and five would be fine. Um, I, I would not be, you know, it's obviously like as the games come, you, you, you adjust expectations. But I think right now, if you told me I could lock in seven and five with a win over Michigan, um, I'm taking that a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, yep. I agree. I agree completely. Um, and I imagine most of the fan base would agree and, and wouldn't trade an eighth win for, <laughs> for that rivalry win, you know? Yeah. And like, it's, it's funny because like people talk about like, and especially Michigan fans talk about Michigan state. It's like, Oh, you'd rather go one in 11 than 11, you know, one in 11 with a win over Michigan than, than go to the Rose bowl. And the, the answer to that is no, but I would definitely rather go six and six with a re- win over Michigan than seven and five with a loss to Michigan. I'll say yes. that. Yes. Like, like if it, and if I would rather go to the Rose Bowl than not go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, yes, I would rather go to the Rose Bowl than not go to the Rose Bowl. Um, and I would rather win Big Ten titles every now and then than not win Big Ten titles. That's pretty but, nice. Uh, we'll have to ask uh, Angus how he feels about winning Big Ten titles. Uh, he's not going to like that. Special thank you to our guest, Jonathan. Uh, Kevin and Ben, Ben, who you can find on Twitter at BL Herald and at halfspaces.com, um, where you can read all of the things he talked about tonight um, regarding ratings and assessment of players. Um, you can find us on Twitter at TLS underscore N underscore TDS, or you can find co host Greg at Mr. Mojo Rising 89. Um, we're not on Instagram. We're working on it. We're going to get that up and running shortly. Um, and a special thank you to our sponsors, the Anchor App and the Smith Workforce Management Group. And a special thank you to you, the listener. We, uh, we couldn't do this without you. So if you could uh, like, subscribe, share, tell your friends um, that they can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, we'd greatly appreciate it. So thanks so much for joining us and sticking with us, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.